Hi, this is Jill Burke, former Disney princess, actor, vocalist, voice teacher, and marathon runner. And you are listening to Stories of the Magic. Welcome to Stories of the Magic, an unofficial Disney podcast with your host, Randy Crane. Hear stories from Disney cast members, Imagineers, artists, and more right here on Stories of the Magic. And now, here's your host, Randy Crane. Welcome to Episode 83 of Stories of the Magic. I'm Randy, your host. Thank you for joining me. In this episode, we conclude our new two-part interview with Laura Dickinson. In the last episode, we talked more about her work on Sophia the First and Phineas and Ferb, performing in the theme parks, and started talking about her album, One for My Baby, to Frank Sinatra with Love. I really enjoyed it, and I hope you did too. By the way, speaking of enjoying things, I've been playing that CD in my car since the last episode, and I have to tell you, I love it. Now, in this episode, Laura talks about leaving songs out of the album and how she was able to add two unexpected ones. Her favorite song on the album, the two songs that most showcase her vocally, what the release party on December 15th of last year was like, why she won't be playing at the club where the release party was again, the East Coast launch she's got coming up, the vinyl release party, a funny story about the Rainbow Connection, how you can get an autographed copy of her CD directly from her, finally understanding the appeal of music released on vinyl, teaching herself clarinet, vibration going to schools and teaching them about acapella, performing with Voasis, a bit more about vibration, aka Groove 66, including an exclusive announcement and the best thing about shows they put together themselves. Doing an episode of The 7D and Pen Zero Part-Time Hero, and a new Priceline commercial. What inspires her, her advice to you for following your dreams, and of course, shameless plug time. After the interview's over, enjoy the One For My Baby album teaser. Now, a brief word from a fellow podcaster and friend, and then it's time to turn the page and continue this story. My name is Al. And I'm Joyce. And we're, we're huge, huge Disneyland, Disneyland fans. fans. In fact, we love the Disneyland Resort so much, we host a podcast dedicated to the happiest place on Earth to share that passion with others. That's right. On our show, Tales from the Mouse House Disneyland Podcast, we share current resort news, some tips and tricks we've learned over the years to help make your Disneyland Resort vacation the most magical experience ever. We uncover little-known and often-overlooked gems we like to call hidden treasures and even review the attractions and places to eat that make the Disneyland Resort so much fun. And if that wasn't enough, we even share some video episodes to help keep you in that Disney magic state of mind. If you're a longtime fan of the Disneyland Resort or you've just recently discovered the magic, this podcast is for you. You can find Tales from the Mouse House Disneyland Podcast at www. Talescast.com and in iTunes. And remember, make, make it, it a Mickey, Mickey day. And now, this week's interview on Stories of the Magic. So on your album, were there any songs that you had to leave out that you wish you could have squeezed onto it? That's a great question. And I didn't realize that there were songs until way after the 
product was done. Uh, I had taken an envelope that was just recyclable mail trash and I scratched out a bunch of Frank Sinatra songs, like the first ones that came to my mind. And I just found it about a month ago. So yeah, there were some songs that didn't make the cut. And I'm like, oh man, maybe I should do two for my baby and <laughs> do all, all, all the songs that we didn't get to. But it was kind of interesting the way the sessions to actually record the album worked out. And this was this was not my first production project, but it was my first record that I produced. And we got into the studio. First of all, the night before, I had my big the first day session, which I recorded most of the album with all the musicians in one day. I could have released a great CD with just that one day of recording. But the night before wow. that, I was coming back from a job in Palm Springs and someone swerved in front of me and I got thrown across the freeway like a pinball and my car was totaled. And I didn't end up getting home until probably about 3.30. Couldn't really fall asleep. Had to get up and get on the road by 5.30 because we start setting up at 6.30. Start at 8 in what used to be A&M, which is now Henson Studios, was where we recorded the very first day, which is a fantastically sounding studio. And I got in there and ran the musicians and was efficient. And we did. I thought we did a fantastic job getting everything accomplished. And we did it so quickly that I said, okay, I want to do another one. I want, I want to do another day and just, you know, clean up a little bit here and clean up a little bit there. But because we have so much time when we have an, a whole nother day and these musicians are going to be here, I actually added two more songs to the playlist. Oh, really? Yeah. And I added a single for the holiday season, which I released last December before I released my album, which was great. I did a little Manhattan transfer tribute. Happy holiday, the holiday season. So on the second day of recording, we recorded... Indian Summer, which is one of the best received tracks on the album. Great arrangement by Sammy Nestico that he wrote for Sarah Vaughn. Just gorgeous swinging arrangement. And I get to use my low alto voice, which I don't get to use a lot. And uh, I brought in a film crew and we filmed it because with the way of technology and social media these days, people gravitate more toward visuals that you can see pictures, videos. So we actually made a, a great little video of us in the studio recording. So we did Indian Summer, and then we also did You're Getting to Be a Habit with Me, which I co-arranged with Jim McMillan in order to feature some of the great musicians that I had on my album. You know, it's not often that you pick up a record and you can hear a, a long trombone solo. <laughs> so mm -hmm. there's some, some features on that piece featuring trombone and sax and then Indian Summer has a nice beautiful trombone solo by my favorite trombonist one of my favorites out there right now his name is Bob McChesney who has a wife named Calabria Foti and she is doing great on the jazz scene she did a duet with Seth MacFarlane one of my favorite people in the whole wide world and you know so it's all all in the family all in the jazz family great
I'm glad you got to add those two tracks too, and I'm glad that you're okay after that car accident. Thank you. Yes, there's there's oh. pictures of the recording sessions on my Facebook page with burns all over my neck from the airbag. <laughs> Ooh. So that made for a great photo opportunity. <laughs> oh yeah, the things I go through to produce an album. <laughs> oh yes, and my hair's in a ponytail, and I look exhausted, and my neck is all burned. This is real music, people. Jazz <laughs> at its finest. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> So, and this is probably an impossible question to answer, but what's your favorite song on the album? Impossible question to answer. So impossible. Um, I. Th- you can give me your top 12 if you'd like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you trickster, you. <laughs> My favorite track, if I had to pick one. Oh my goodness. Gosh, this is the most hardest question. Well, I know that um, the most well-received track is Indian Summer because everyone loves that arrangement and everyone is so kind of shocked. They're like, oh, you can sing low. Who knew? You know, Um, if I had to pick one, if I had to pick it, there's so see, they're all special to me in certain ways. And then if you add on top of that, the arrangements and the musicians that played them and the solos and like all the way has the musician contractor and the concert master of pageant of the masters who contracted all the musicians for my album. And he's playing this gorgeous violin solo. That's a, a highlight of the musician solos for me and all the way, which is the penultimate track. But if I had to pick one, it would probably be my funny Valentine which features Neil Steubenhaus on the bass. It's an electric bass and vocal duet. There are three tracks on the album that go away from the big band format, and there's only one instrumentalist on the tracks with me. And I got I got Danny Jacob from Phineas and Ferb to play a lot of the um, acoustic and electric guitar, and we do a track together, I Only Have Eyes for You, that he co-produced with me and co-arranged. But My Funny Valentine is my favorite because... I had such a hands-on experience writing it. I literally sat down at the piano and wrote it out in about probably 10 minutes. It just came to me. And I put I put my iPhone on the, the music stand and just pushed record. And then I went back and translated it to electric bass, which is like this stacked chordal arrangement that we created by layering three to four different tracks of the bass and I wrote it to be played on a six string bass which is not at all tuned like a guitar wish it was <laughs> It'd be uh-huh. a lot easier but I took my four string Fender jazz bass and just tuned it like crazy like I tuned the low E string down to a D and then I tuned the higher strings all up so 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 high and played it all myself exactly what I wanted it to be and then I said here you go Jim get you guess what you get to do you get to write this all out on paper (laughs) and it was very confusing to understand but I had it all mapped out in my head it was the best experience I've had of creating something in my head and then translating it, translating it out to different people and saying, here's what I I need. Here's what I want. Here's what I feel. And speaking of acapella, again, the latter half of that arrangement was inspired by MPAC's arrangement of My Funny Valentine, which has a groove to it. So I wrote the first half and then was in, used the, their groove as an inspiration. And then we just created from there. So there's my long 
painful, hard to make a decision answer to your question. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for processing through that. <laughs> yep. It's, I'm working on myself, working on my communication skills. <laughs> so someone will marry me because I'm a good communicator. <laughs> From a vocal standpoint, which song do you think most showcases you? Oof. Um, yikes. I'm looking at the playlist right now. Uh, it depends on, I think it depends on the listener's personal preference because the review that just came out on allaboutjazz.com yesterday says that my high voice can get shrill at times because I live in that high belt world just because I'm a natural soprano. So when I'm feeling something emotionally, I just put a lot of power behind it. Um, and that's really well reflected in one for my baby because there's a lot of kind of vocal I don't want to say gymnastics because then people will think there's like riffing and ad-libbing which I kind of am opposed to very mm -hmm. much so actually not kind of <laughs> um, <laughs> it's one for my baby as an exposed vocal which is the piano so that one features the voice and shows kind of what I can do and how I can navigate between the different areas of my voice, the head voice, chest voice, mix, all of that stuff is pretty well showcased. And that's not the original cut that we did. The cut on the record that we did for the very first record, the plus one concept was actually lost by the first engineer that I hired to work on this project with me. And he lost it, which was hmm. sad because I had to, you know, I had Vince Demura in town here recording. So I had to actually fly to New York to get this track again. And we recorded it in New York because Vince is, lives in New Jersey. But I think between one for my baby and uh, I'm going to live till I die has a, a really good swing to it. And like some power belting that just kind of makes sense. So between the two of those, and the whole album, really, I think I think you're set in the vocals department. <laughs> it's a hard call to make because the other beauty of a lot of these songs is that I could sing them in Frank's key because he is a baritone and I'm a soprano and those keys kind of translate for each other. So it's interesting for the listener, I think, to hear. I think there's kind of like an osmosis kind of sixth sense thing with Everybody in the world, whether or not you're a musician, when you hear a certain song in a certain key, like we were at the uh, Stevie Wonder Grammy tribute concert the other a few weeks ago, and then it just aired on TV after the a few days after the Grammys and Lady Gaga got up behind the keyboard and started playing I Wish, but it was like a third or fourth higher than Stevie Wonder and it like it takes your brain a little bit of time to process like, okay, that's the same song, but it's just in a different key. And it's just like, it's kind of like a, like a, you know, a feeling like riding a bike, like something that, you know, it just, it makes sense a certain way. So I think that translates with some of these songs that are in Frank Sinatra's key that it just kind of all becomes synonymous. I'm no, in no way comparing myself to him. And I, I strive to express my humility appropriately with this project because I really did it out of love and just kind of as a just a a tribute a, like a gift back because I was so grateful for all of those years of entertainment and wisdom and learning that I got from the man himself old blue eyes the voice so yeah I I kind of 
it was kind of like a purity thing with some of the songs keeping them in the same key. Okay. So tell me about the release party. What was that like? Oof. Well, <laughs> it ended with me falling down this uh, in huge long flight of stairs and almost killing myself, literally. And I did not have one drop of alcohol, not one drop all night. If you've ever been to Vitello's in Studio City, I guess it's on Tahunga. I think that's Studio City, Sherman Oaks. Anyway, The Valley. Uh, it's a really, it's an older club and they've done some improvements to it. And they just recently reopened it as Sheila E's eSpot Lounge. So I'm really looking forward to going back and seeing the improvements that they make because it, it was due. And it, the, the club has gone through a bunch of different managerial changes and people that handle the booking and hiring the different musical acts, which if you have one person hiring certain bands, you're going to get a certain type of music and a different genre in there. If you have another person booking, you know, it, it's kind of like, I don't know what to compare it to, but it went through some transition and the hardest thing about playing at that club for the musicians is that there is no elevator and you got to play upstairs and you don't just have to climb up a flight of stairs. Those flights of stairs are like two flights of stairs in one and they're just straight up. There's no like little turn the corner balcony landing kind of thing. And then you take the second flight. It's a long, long haul. And I'm always in heels. And I got a lecture from Neil Steubenhaus saying you should take your heels off after the gig every single time from now on. So I went to the back stairs, which I'm parked at the bottom of the back stairs and they turned off the lights. So it's pitch black in the back staircase and I'm feeling around for the light. And then mind you, I've been back down, up and down those stairs in the black numerous times. I've played there with Vibration. I played there with Oasis, my other eight part acapella group. I played there with my band. I've sung there with other people and I've been there a lot. And I've been back those up and down those stairs a lot. And I guess I was just on that high after the the show and just kind of had my brain going and I missed the first step in the pitch black and tumbled down backwards and landed on my lower back. So that was the icing on the cake of that experience. <laughs> but, and I don't think I'll ever play there again because of the stairs and just getting all the musicians to bring all their stuff upstairs. But, um, and they, they kicked out my, my guests and turn on the vacuums and the lights right after. So it, it kind of had a little bit of a bittersweet ending, but the show itself I thought came out spectacularly well. And I had some people from Broadway world there and they were so kind to write a glowing review, which you so appreciate when people come to your shows and spread the word about it, because that's the only way to get people to hear about your music is by word of mouth. So I really am grateful for people like you that let me come on your show and talk about what I love and what I'm passionate about because I really do get up every day because of it. It keeps me going and I just live for it. So the show was great. I had my 10-piece band. I had three backup singers. I had my dear friend Melanie Collins, who's a great jazz artist in L.A., um, and has a fantastic big band CD of her own. It's called A Little Jazz Now and Then. She opened for me and... Uh, we all had a really, really great time. It was sold out and I'll never forget it. It was really, really fun. That happened on December 15th, which was three days after Frank Sinatra's would have been 99th birthday. So I wanted to release this album gearing up for the centennial celebration. 
That sounds like a great way to kick off the centennial celebration or the soon to come centennial celebration. Oh yeah. You're going to be seeing a lot of Frank Sinatra this year. There's a a big network with the big show coming out and I'm not allowed to talk about it, but I'm really excited about it. So keep your eyes out for a lot of Sinatra this year and next year because the centennial is in effect. Nice. Very nice. And now you've got an East coast launch coming up too, right? I do. And it's, it's kind of like a, it, it's a few months after the release, but I'm actually getting the, the record on vinyl right before we go to New York. And that's like the, the kind of the vinyl release party. So yeah, I'm going to New York and I'm putting to get, particular. Oh, sorry. Oh, the, use your words, Laura. <laughs> uh, I'm putting, sing it if you have to. Yeah. I'm putting together an East coast version of my band, which I'm so excited about. I have Neil Steubenhaus from here coming with me. Who's played in my band several times. And he's just one of the greatest electric bass players that has ever lived. You've heard his work all over the place and he's coming with me to New York. We're playing. And I was telling you a little bit earlier, I have Kenny Asher playing the piano for me who wrote the rainbow connection of all songs. Why are there so many songs about rainbows? I'm so excited. Mm-hmm. I have a funny little story to tell about the rainbow connection. If I am allowed to, am I allowed to? Yes, please. So I'm in Hong Kong with vibration, a six part acapella group. And we're having the time of our lives, except for me, because I'm dating literally a murderer from Florida and ran up a $2,000 phone bill because he was calling me all the time. That's a whole nother story. So everyone's trying to cheer me up and we're, you know, we went out after a show and we're having a good time. And we all, I think there were five of us at the time, squeezed into one taxi. And went back to the hotel and we're singing and having a good time and just kind of, you know, acapella people or they love to just get together and sing and make up harmonies. And that's what we do. So we were doing that and being loud and obnoxious in the cab and the cab driver was just not having it. He was just like shaking his head and like covering his ears and we were having the time of our lives. And then all of a sudden. We went into Rainbow Connection and then he started like smiling and nodding and like swaying back and forth. And he's like, oh, yeah, Rainbow Connection. (laughs) It's so funny because that's like the, the quintessential definition of a great song is that everybody all over the world knows it. It's like here we are in Hong Kong of all places. And this cab driver was like. Oh, yeah. Rainbow Connection. (laughs) (laughs) So that was definitely a full circle moment when they're like, yeah, Kenny Asher's going to play the piano for you. I'm like, awesome. Rainbow (laughs) Rainbow Connection. I just pictured myself as a little Asian cab driver smiling and nodding. Rainbow Connection. (laughs) (laughs) For some reason, I'm having trouble picturing you as a little Asian cab driver, but okay, we'll go with that. (laughs) That was a fun trip. Definitely fun. I want to ask you about Vibration and some of the other shows that you're doing too. But before I do, is there anything else that you want to say about your album? I want to say to everybody to buy it and call me up, call me on the phone, text me, email me. If you want to buy it, you can buy it right from me. I am in the middle of uh, re-situating my 
web hosts so that I can sell it right off of my website. But if you just send me an email through Facebook or my, my, uh, webpage, it's contact at Laura Dick And I'll send you one myself. A lot of people have been actually, cause the, the record's getting played all over the country on the radio, which I am. It's like a dream come true for me. And I have a great team working with me and I have a lot of people that are writing in like, where do I get an autograph copy? So if you want an autograph copy, you can contact me directly. And you can also, you know, go the, the ways of the layman and get it on iTunes or get it on Amazon if you want a hard copy that way. And um, the vinyls are coming at the end of March, just in time for our April New York concert. And I am, I'm 35 and a half. I'm going to be 35 and a half exactly on March 23rd. My birthday is September 23rd. So I never really got to experience vinyl in its heyday. And I am telling you, I never understood it until this record because living with this music and hearing every single incarnation of every different mix and just really knowing the arrangements and knowing how I want them to sound and then hearing it, on a record player with the actual music printed onto the vinyl spinning around the sound of it. It was unbelievable. The first time I hear, I heard it. I can't explain to you how much better music sounds on vinyl. It's like it, and it's mastered completely different. You master it one way for a CD, one way for iTunes and one way for vinyl. It's, it's all completely different process. And Hmm. It was such, it was kind of like a, a life altering revolution. Like, oh my goodness, I want to go back and get all my favorite albums on vinyl to see what people really intended them to sound like. Like, I've got to go back and listen to all the Beatles stuff on vinyl. I'm wondering if there's a vinyl of Jagged Little Pill. Maybe I'll ask for that for Christmas. Good idea. <laughs> I got a clarinet <laughs> last Christmas because I want to venture into the reeded instruments now. That was fun. So you're starting with with clarinet now, huh? Well, yeah. I want to play the alto sax, and a few people have encouraged me to start on the clarinet. And then other people have said, just go right to the alto sax. But I like the clarinet because it's little, and it's fun, and I get to kind of – I'm training myself right now by watching this amazing lady on YouTube. <laughs> I don't know what – I can't remember what her name is. I wish I could – tell you about her but yeah it's fun it's it's definitely a, a cool experience to play an instrument where you have to only play one note at a time yeah i mean the, yeah. the electric bass you're used to playing one note at a time but i mean i grew up on the piano and the uh, acoustic guitar so it's like all right one note at a time is good it's like mm -hmm. it's like easier on the brain <laughs> yeah that's true and by the way jagged little pill is available on vinyl on amazon ah Good news. <laughs> right. So, and I'm going to have to make sure that I get one of those autographed copies of the CD. Yes, I'll send you one. Uh, now, let's. Uh, I want to go back to vibration because we started talking about acapella towards the beginning, and acapella is kind of like right behind big band and jazz for me, <laughs> but very, very close. That's why we get along. That's right. So, you are still performing with vibration, and that whole thing is still happening on top of your. Uh, album stuff and everything. Yep. I always make time for acapella. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Vibration has been touring for the last, I think it's been, I think we started in 2005, four or five, we'll say five. So it's a nice 10 years. We started touring 
10 years ago uh, for the Orange County Performing Arts Center for their Arts Teach program, which is another one of my, the, my favorite things to do, like I was talking about earlier, is pass along this knowledge to kids and get them excited about music. It's such a beautiful and important part of life, and it's going away in the schools awfully. But we get to go to schools and teach them about acapella, and we do that year-round, school year-round. And um, we have some, you know, we're, we're performing all the time. It's just, it's hard to promote and invite people because it's a lot of corporate entertainment, private events. And we do stuff for um, Camp Pendleton for the military. And we've done a bunch of events for them. Like there was a holiday family meal. There was another kind of thing where all the, their families were at a dinner for, I can't remember what the actual event was, but yeah, they, they have us come in when they have special events and their families are all usually there. So even though we're not inviting a lot of people to shows, we still are out there all the time performing and we're loving it. Definitely loving it. So are you doing any other acapella performances besides what those ones that you were mentioning with vibration? Well, uh, I had the good fortune to be asked to be part of a group called Voasis, which is the sister group acapella octet to the Santa Fe, New Mexico Desert Chorale. And I've gotten to go perform in Santa Fe with Voasis two times. They've performed their three times total, but because their last performance was right when my album was releasing, I was not able to go with them. Unfortunately, I missed them a lot. And, uh, I'm not sure when we're going back to Santa Fe, but that's another like the who's who of the L.A. session singer world and combined with acapella greats. And there's kind of people from acapella groups that I grew up listening to, like two people that were in Impact and then Greg Jaspers, who was huge in arranging in the acapella world as the music director. And the group was put together by Deke Sharon, who was in charge of Pitch Perfect and the sing-off. And so that's a pretty exciting project that I loved being a part of. And, you know, I'm always trying to convince the Impact boys to let me sing with them again, because I love singing with them. It's like, one girl and five guys. No drama. <laughs> oh, no. None at all. <laughs> and vibration, as I recall from when we talked before, though I don't remember the specific detail, is vibration entirely made up of people who were also in Groove 66? Or has, is the membership some that were in Groove and some that were not? It's completely 100% Groove 66ers. There is not a single person in the group that did not sing in Sun Plaza, which it used to be called at Disney California Adventure. That's what I thought. I still want to sit down with you guys and do a group interview sometime. Oh, that would be so fun. Boy, you'd get the dirt from that. <laughs> you got some serious stories. <laughs> oh, man, that would be a good one. That would be fun. Yeah, let's do that for sure. Yeah, we've been we started performing in uh, the day after Thanksgiving in 2001. And so we're celebrating 14 years this coming year. And some of those people are some of my best friends in the entire world. And they've watched me grow up and they've helped me grow up. And just I've learned a lot about life and performing from being around them. They're a great group of people. I'm really grateful for them. Yeah. In a, for an entirely different reason, in an entirely different way, so am I. Ah, yay. Oh, I have news with that. Nobody knows. 
Uh, not even everybody in the group knows. Um, <laughs> okay. We recorded an album in 2006, and part of the beauty of Vibration is that every single person in the group is a professional musician, entertainer, performer, and so we we very well could, you know, go out on the road and tour 365 days a year and be doing shows all the time. But, but because everyone has such diverse careers of their own, we kind of, you know, it's kind of like our, our little side project, you know, and we, mm -hmm. we love doing it. We do it because we love doing it, but we did record an album in 2006 and it released unofficially in 2010, I think it was, but we, that was before it was, uh, Oh, I, I'm not actually sure about the statement being true, but for me, at least, it it wasn't as easy for us to get it out onto iTunes and Amazon. It was now it's more common knowledge where if you have a CD, you go to CD Baby or you go to TuneCore and it's basically a couple clicks of your mouse and poof, your CD is on iTunes. <laughs> so we're about to do a full on remix remaster of that original album, which includes a lot of our original material that we sang at Disney California adventure and at the Disneyland resort. And that's scheduled for release sometime in mid April. If everything goes well. Wow. Nice. So that'll be a good time to get on to stories of the magic. Yeah. Can't wait for that to come yeah, out. Yeah, And we're going to do a, a CD release party and a bunch of fun stuff. So it'll be, it'll be great. And the best thing about vibration shows that we get to put together on our own is that sometimes we do like tag team because we have so many members <laughs> so that uh -huh. you don't see the same group all night. Like you'll see a different soprano for a couple songs and then we'll change out the drummer. And it's kind of like, you know, a, a fun version of the weakest link, except it's the strongest links. <laughs> so we did that at my very first band show in December of 2012, where we had as many people of vibration there as possible. And we just switched out. It was super fun. So I'm looking forward to doing that again. Definitely. And my daughter is due April 7th. So yep. as soon as I can, after she's born, Take your time. we'll have to see what we can set up with that. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I suppose I'll let her take priority. <laughs> she who shall not be named. Yet. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but I do want to make sure that happens. Okay, uh, great. Perfect. Uh, now, before I ask the last two questions and then give you a chance to plug everything one more time, is there anything that you want to talk about that I haven't asked about? Well, I talked about I'm single talked about the album. I got to do a couple new shows. There's a lot of new shows coming up down the pike for Disney Channel and Disney Junior. I got to do an episode of the 7D, which talking about Bill Farmer, I, I'm pretty sure he's on that show. Um, he is. Yeah. He's Dot. Yeah. Um, and Maurice LaMarche is, I think he's grumpy. Yes. He is. If you don't know what the 7D is it's a really unique animated cartoon like i say unique because the animation is style is so specific and i think it's awesome but it's the, the seven dwarves the 70s is short for seven dwarves and i got to do an episode of that show i also got to do an episode of another fantastic show i think this is going to be like the the big like breakout hit pen zero part-time hero really cool um, premise for the show that I still don't understand. I'll probably butcher it if I try and explain it, but he, oh, do you, have you seen the show? No, it's brand spanking new. And I got to do an episode called that purple girl. And I did like this kind of like film score singing, like let's, uh, I'm kind of made my voice sound like a flute. 
And then I sang this, oh, another voiceover legend, Jim Cummings. You know who that is, right? Oh, absolutely. The voice of Winnie the Pooh and all these amazing voices. And he's one of the people that I just started listening to when I was a kid and looking up to. And I just thought he was so – because when you're a kid – and you have something that you're really into animated wise, and then something happens to where they change the voice. Nothing gets past you as a kid. Like people pick up on that immediately. And Jim Cummings, Winnie the Pooh was so spot on Sterling Holloway. And I noticed that as a kid, I was like, that's, it just, it started me on this, this whole path. So on Pen Zero parts, I'm here Jim Cummings. And I sing this kind of like Caribbean alien funk gibberish language song so <laughs> it was interesting it was very interesting and it was actually the very first episode of a disney show that aired on television that they let me the first time in nine years that i've been working for them they let me record it from my home studio which was such a luxury <laughs> i did not have to wash my hair and get out of the house <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, those are a couple of exciting things. Uh, there is a new Priceline commercial that I sing the Priceline Negotiator jingle on. It's uh, William Shatner at his finest. It's There's two little stewardesses that come up uh, on either sides of him in, like, the first 10 seconds, and they sing the Priceline Negoti- Negotiator jingle, and it's me, me and my friend Jill Burke. So that was yep. exciting. I'm saving that money away for to do another album because I'm going to need it. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that might be it. Excited about going to New York. I have some auditions coming up for some musical theater stuff, which is one of my great passions, even though it takes me away from other things. But I really, really love Andrew Lloyd Webber's production of Evita, and there's a production coming up at the Candlelight pavilion in claremont where i did jekyll and hyde in october and i'm going to audition for that and i'm literally doing two to three voiceover auditions every day from my home studio so hopefully i'll get to do some more talking coming up too i love the singing stuff but talking is fun too (laughs) and you're so good at it gee thanks (laughs) it's only been an hour and 35 minutes of me yakking that's just the way i like it (laughs) now i asked these last two questions last time but i'm going to ask them again because in two and a half years your answers may have changed if they haven't it's okay that's fine too are you going to remind me what my answers were do you remember no oh god okay go this is exciting (laughs) deep breath (laughs) what inspires you ah what inspires me It's funny that you should ask me that right now, because as you can probably tell, I just went through a breakup. And one of the hardest things to do after you lose your partner is to get inspired, especially if you have to do any work where you have to be creative. So I've just really turned to artists and musicians around town that I know are doing what I want to be doing. And I've been getting out and just embracing the jazz scene again and trying to support all of my artist friends that I can because we live in a great city for music. I mean, Southern California is just full of it. And I'm going to go see Molly Ringwald on Sunday, 
March 8th at the Catalina Jazz Club. I spend hours and hours and hours with the Seriously Sinatra channel on Sirius XM and listen to that. And I've just been really trying to find inspiration in looking to people who are doing what I love doing and more of what I want to be doing. Fantastic. That, as I believe, is the end of that. I'm also going to the Big Potato on the 7th, Saturday, this Saturday night, um, for the Big Potato All-Stars, because Neil Steubenhouse is playing, and we're going to be playing together in L.A., and great guitar player named Jeff Richmond and Brandon Fields on trumpet, and it's, uh, does he play trumpet or sax? I always forget. Sorry. Sorry, Brandon. I love you. Sorry. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm sure he'll forgive you. I know, right? Hopefully. So, yeah, there's always, if you check out lajazz.com, good good guy tom meek runs that and you can always go there for your one-stop shop if you want to see some jazz if you want to know who's playing out around town i love going to the vibrato jazz club i was there last night to see reverend sean amos and i'm going to be playing there again on may 20th which if you have not been to the vibrato jazz grill vibrato grill jazz they call it a bunch of different things but it's herb alpert's club Okay. And it's really well designed for music. It the club is the the stage is like a half moon kind of a, a shape, like a half circle, and it the seats are set up like there's kind of, if you love sitting in a booth, which everyone loves, everyone that I know and everyone that I go out with, it's like of course you want to sit in a booth when you go to a restaurant. So there's like a half a huge half moon booth in the front of the stage and there's it's just so so much booth seating. I love it. But and it's a second level, so if it's if the band is too loud and you want a place that's quiet to get away and you know have a cocktail or have a business meeting and and the food is excellent. If you like scallops, you got to get the scallops and they have one of my favorite Sauvignon Blancs there and so I had a good time there last night met some great people and um yeah gotta get inspired by surrounding yourself with people who are doing what you want to be doing that's my answer it's a great answer i hope it was sufficient <laughs> it was and it's an, it's an everyday struggle you know if you are out there and you want to be in any part of the entertainment business from writing to behind the scenes to production to in front of the camera to off camera singing acting talking you have to be prepared to hear no every single day you just have to be prepared and it takes a really resilient person to deal with that so if that's not in your nature it can get to be really really hard and so just kind of dealing with losing my partner and kind of reinventing myself and taking care of me. I've also found some inspiration to just to tag on real quick to my, my official answer. I found a lot of inspiration in getting back to taking care of myself. I have been doing hot yoga every single day for the past three weeks. I've literally gone every single day except for three days. And it has kind of changed my mood, the way I feel, the way I sleep. And so if you're really trying to take, and it's especially more important for me because my body is my instrument. So if I take care of it, then I'm able to perform better. And, you know, Hollywood is, is hard on you and your looks anyway. So being a little bit more on the healthy side gives me just a little bit more confidence because 
I've been kind of shot down a little bit recently. So yeah, I've just been taking care of myself. And if anyone is around the Fullerton area and wants to go check out Purple Yoga, they are a great studio. They just opened up a new location and I'm having a lot of fun. Have you ever done yoga before? Uh, Once or twice, but not a full class. It was just kind of something that I got into for part of a class. I think. There's, there's like arm balancing and some crazy things where people do handstands and balance on their arms. And I did my first crow today, which is like you put your hands down on the floor and you put your knees on the back of your arms and like balance yourself up and kind of like a little frog shape. And I did it for the first time today. I was so excited. Wow. <laughs> it's so <laughs> weird to like try and do it. I've been trying to do it since I, I did P90X in 2010 and I looked at that pose. I'm like, I will never, ever be able to do that because I have no upper body strength. But after three weeks of doing yoga every day, I could finally do it. It was a rejoicing, monumental thing for me today. It was a long time to wait to get my first arm balancing pose. Anyway, okay, next question. <laughs> way to go. Last question. I'll talk your <laughs> yes. ear off all night. Now, a lot of people listening have their own dreams. You know, maybe it's to record an album, but maybe it's something else entirely. So what advice do you have for that person? Don't stop. You're going to want to stop all the time because it's incredibly hard. I've been in this business since I was three years old. I started training when I was three and I did not what I consider have any like real like get to where I want to be until the year 2006. So that's a long time to wait. And we talk about this in the session singer world, too. If you come to L.A. from another country or a city or state or wherever and you want to get into that side of the business, the average time it takes is 10 years. So if you have dreams and if you have aspirations, no matter what they are, what business they're in, what personally they are, you just have to keep going. And there's nobody out there that will be able to give that to you but yourself you have to be your own best friend and your own champion because you're going to run across a lot of people in your life that they're not going to be able to to motivate you and keep you going because it has to come from inside yourself it really is it it's some of the hardest work that you ever do is putting yourself out there and when you go to auditions or do auditions from your house or really try and write something and take the risk of putting it out there into the world and it makes you so vulnerable and unless you can train your mind to get into that place where you are okay as you and you believe in yourself that's the best advice I could ever give. You just got to keep going and you got to be your own best friend and your own champion. And you got to motivate yourself however you can. I mean, I used to write little post-it notes on the mirror of things I wanted to do and things I want to accomplish and just really concentrate on taking care of myself and visualizing my goals and keep encouraging myself. So that's really the best advice I can give. Just keep, keep going. It's great advice. Thank you. Also reach out to people. Like I said, I don't get a chance to teach and I get people emailing me every day, sending me submissions, you know, saying, you know, do you have any advice on this demo? Do you have any advice on my resume or my website? You know, and I respond to it takes me a while sometimes, but I respond to every message that I get, whether it's on Facebook, whether it's on 
email or, you know, I really try and make a point. If people reach out to me for help, I really try and respond because that's all you can do is ask and find out and get all the resources that you can under your belt. And we have such a great resource with the internet. You know, I was able to communicate with some of these people for my album that I could only have dreamed about working with. And, you know, a a lot of that communication takes place online. So, you know, reach out to people. The Twitter is a really powerful tool. Did you only know that you can follow only 2000 people at the, at first? No, I didn't know that. I didn't know that either because, you know, the more people you follow, the more people follow you back because it's like the algorithms and stuff. And I just started following all these people that I wanted to, you know, keep in touch with. And, you know, I put vo- hashtag voiceover and, and voice actor in the search box and just started following all these voice actor people. And all of a sudden I'm up to 2000 and I'm like, wow, that was quick. But yeah. So if you're going to follow a lot of people on Twitter, know that you only get 2000. And then as your followers grow, they'll adjust your threshold as like a ratio compared to how many followers that you have. But Twitter is a great resource. Uh, If you know who Seth MacFarlane is, then you know who Joel McNeely is. And that's one of Seth's arrangers and film composers. He did How the West Was Won. And I think he's working on Ted 2. Walter Murphy worked on Ted 1, who is I'm a huge fan of also. And Walter also worked on Family Guy and so did Ron Jones and Seth MacFarlane, if you have never seen him live, please go see him live. He plays at Vibrato. He plays at Catalina Jazz Club. It's a great experience to see him live and singing big band. Another guy that I am really inspired by because he's doing what I am doing and want to be doing more of, you know, like he's a voice actor. And I mean, all of his production and creating and writing and all the all the animation side is amazing too but he's a voice actor and a singer and then he goes out and has a big band like i love that i really really do and i think he's very handsome too but that's another story so go see seth mcfarlane live if you don't have a chance to go see him live anytime soon head to my youtube channel because i put up a video when i went to see him at vibrato and i just happened to start running the camera while he's singing one for my baby of all songs. And during one for my baby, he does all of his impressions. So he sings it as Peter from family guy. He sings it as Stewie as Quagmire. He'll sing it as Marty McFly from back to the future. He'll sing it as Kermit and he'll sing it in all these different voices. And it's hilarious. So I actually was able to capture it on video and then a little surprise happens in the video. If you watch it, I don't want to spoil it or give it away, but it it was really fun moment for me because I've never met him. I did an episode of Phineas and Ferb with him that if you know the Ducky Momo song mm-hmm. and it's the episode where Phineas and Ferb head to like a comic con kind of a place and Seth MacFarlane plays Jeff McFarland and people pitching stuff to him. And so that's probably one of my favorite episodes that I've ever done, but we never got to be in the studio together because I usually work alone with the composers so it was cool for me to just like be a li- have a little moment with him. So I'm not going to give away what the video, what happens in the video, but it's funny and worth it just to go watch him do all those impressions while singing one of my favorite Frank Sinatra songs. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And that's actually a perfect lead into this very last thing, which is shameless plug time. Yay! 
so you've mentioned Twitter, you've mentioned your YouTube channel, you've mentioned Facebook. We've talked about the album earlier, but let's give people one little spot here where they can come and get all of that information on how they can find yes. you. And then I'll put this all in the show notes. Yes, please find me on Twitter and Instagram. And if you are one of those people that wants to get your business model and social media, whatever they say it's supposed to match your Twitter and Instagram. So there are the same for me. It's Elsie Laura, E-L-S-I-E-L-A-U-R-A. Elsie is my middle name. So if you see me driving around with the weird license plate, now you know what it means. And my Facebook page, Laura Dickinson, D-I-C-K-I-N-S-O-N. It's just like Angie and Janice and Emily. We spell it the same way. Um, I don't have a personal Facebook page, but I have a musician page and I am the one that's running it. So if you need to message me there, feel free to got a YouTube channel. You can watch the making of my album in studio. I have some videos up of when I went to New York and did the one for my baby track with Vince Demura. And when we recorded Indian summer here in Los Angeles, and there's a bunch of fun stuff, including that Seth MacFarlane video. And yeah, and there's always my website, lauradickinson.com. And if you're more interested in the voiceover side, there's a link on there to my voiceover website, which is lauradickinsonvo.com. But you can pretty much get to anything, anywhere, all of those sites that we just mentioned through my main website. Got it. Okay. I will link to all of that, and I'll be sure that the most prominent link is the one to your website, so people can go there and get to everything yeah, else. Yeah, and I'm on, you know, LinkedIn, on IMDb, and all of those things too. So if you're if you have insomnia and need to need a friend, <laughs> send me a little message. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me tell you, while I was working on my book about a year and a half ago, and I was up doing editing at you know three in the morning and needed something to keep me going there in the middle of the night. One of the places that I went was your YouTube channel oh, and yay. just played through the videos while I was working on stuff. Oh, awesome. I love that. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for having it there. Believe me, it made a couple nights where I just about lost my sanity tolerable. Oh. <laughs> but that's one of the strangest compliments you've ever gotten. But there you go. Thank you, Randy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you, if you don't want to buy the album, you can listen to it on my website. You can get get a little preview, like not just those thirty second previews of the of the stuff on iTunes, but you can actually listen to full tracks. Yeah, and I've actually done some of that as well. So cool! Thank you so much for coming back on the show and sharing all of this great stuff and stories and information and and all of that and i just i really appreciate it i appreciate you being one of my first guests and i appreciate you being back on here you know 70 some episodes later well thank you so much for having me i really do appreciate it thank you for helping me get the word out on the things that i'm passionate about i'm really really grateful to you Music in the breeze You're acting kind of smart 
that is broken by a word that somebody That brings us to the end of this week's show. A special thank you to Laura Dickinson for being my guest again, and to you for listening. By the way, I've got a link in the show notes to that Seth MacFarlane video Laura mentioned. Check it out. In the next episode, I'm excited to bring you a relatively short but still very cool interview with Claire Keane, former visual development artist for Walt Disney Feature Animation and author of the new children's book Once Upon a Cloud. Oh, and if you'd like to hear more from Laura Dickinson, be sure to go back to episodes 8 and 9 of this podcast. Links for both are in the show notes. I'd like to take a minute to thank our sponsor, Audible.com, the Internet's leading provider in spoken word entertainment. Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. Choose from titles like my book, Faith and the Magic Kingdom. You can pick that one or any of the 150,000-plus audiobooks as your free trial book, and it's yours to keep whether you choose to continue your membership or not. To download your free audiobook today, go to storiesofthemagic.com audible. Again, that's storiesofthemagic.com audible for your free audiobook. 
If you're currently doing something because of your love for Disney, you've written a book, created a website, or you're blogging, writing, or performing music, art, whatever it may be, and you want to tell people about it and why it matters to you, I want to hear from you. I also want to talk to and hear from people who've worked for Disney. And if you're a Disney guest of any Disney experience, and you've had an encounter or an interaction with a cast member that made some extra Disney magic, or you've had any special Disney experience you want to share, then I'd like to hear from you, too. Maybe you have a special memory connected to seeing Laura perform at the Disneyland Resort, or watching one of the shows that she sings on. For any of these, email me at podcast at storiesofthemagic.com, or call the listener feedback line at 734-23-STORY and tell me about your experience. Subscribe to Stories of the Magic in iTunes, the Xbox Music Store, on the website, or you can hear Stories of the Magic while on the go with Stitcher Smart Radio. If you like the show, please rate and review Stories of the Magic in iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or wherever else you listen to the show and can rate it. If you have any comments, questions, or suggestions, visit storiesofthemagic.com and leave a comment on the show notes for this or any episode. While you're there, check out the show notes for useful links for each episode, and there's quite a few of them in this one. Like the podcast on Facebook at facebook.com slash stories of the magic. Follow the show on Twitter at twitter.com slash stories of magic and tweet out that you're listening. Pin it on Pinterest. Tell your friends about the show. Keep letting others know that you're listening so they can join in the magic too. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Stories of the Magic. There will be other days and other stories, but this tale is finished. You've been listening to Stories of the Magic with Randy Crane. If you have feedback, want to share a story of your own, or even be a guest on the show, write to Randy at podcast at storiesofthemagic.com or call our listener feedback line, 734-23-STORY. And don't forget to visit the website, storiesofthemagic.com for show notes from this and every episode and to leave your comments. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, live your dreams and make the magic in your world.